0: Hello there and welcome to the good old days of radio show. This is John Tefteller, your host. It's Thursday. We were going to uh, start out our special top 10 monster series, but my producer Daniel reminded me that we've had requests to do another talking session. So we're going to do a talking session this time. Hopefully that uh, doesn't bore you all too much, or you can tune out if you want, but you might find it interesting. The talking session this time is going to be a discussion of our last top 10 series, which was top 10 best science fiction shows. All those... uh, Great science fiction programs from X minus one and Dimension X that we played uh, over a 10 week period. So, with that, I will bring on my producer, Daniel Chase, and we will have our discussion. Here we go.
1: All right, John, thank you. And um, I have notes, and we're going to talk about the poll that we did as we have this poll up, and anybody can vote at any time. So, that's people actually did. Yes. Not a lot of
0: people, but some. A
1: couple, after we did that uh, discussion, <laughs> a couple of people did go and vote, and some voted. Okay. some of the scales were tipped there. Oh, um, yeah. But you can do that with our science fiction series, too. So, if you go onto the Facebook group, and you look up on some of the pinned discussions there, there's the top 10 list of science fiction shows. So, I have written down from a couple of weeks ago, when I was making notes, what the uh, top five poll results were, but before we get into that... Yeah, because uh,
0: I don't remember, or I don't know, but we'll see, because you'll tell me.
1: We have a really interesting discussion today about science fiction on radio, Okay. and I think it's interesting we'll because... we try to make it interesting. There wasn't that much science fiction, and some of it was quite interesting, Science fiction on radio began as early back in the 1930s with mostly comic strip adaptations of things like Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers, Rogers. and then that progressed into the 1940s with a bunch of kids' serial type things. Uh, Superman was one of them, and there was another series called Tom Corbett Space, Space Cadet.
0: Cadet. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm familiar with that one.
1: But this was kind of a fringe genre back then, and it was mostly known for kids' shows. It wasn't until the early 1950s when a series came on called Dimension X that really started to adapt the pulp publications of the 1930s and 40s. Uh, Magazines such as Astounding Science Fiction and Galaxy Magazine were publishing these really interesting stories by authors such as Ray Bradbury and Arthur C. Clarke and Isaac Asimov that not a lot of the mainstream knew about until this radio series came along.
0: Okay, that would be right because most of the public... Wasn't tuned into thinking science fiction. They were tuned in during World War II into thinking war, but not flying saucers or men from Mars or any of that kind of stuff. But as you got into the fifties, the United States began the space program, and then the space race between the United States and Russia to uh, see who could be the first to the moon. All that kind of thing Uh, didn't happen in the fifties. Didn't didn't happen until nineteen sixty nine. But a lot of futuristic talk after World War II. So uh, it went from the afternoon kid shows and kind of like Superman-type science fiction into real, more realistic-type men going to Mars, etc. science fiction.
1: Now, you've said uh, even in the series that science fiction is not personally your favorite genre. You lean toward more of the horror shows. Right,
0: but I do like some of them because some of them are very well written and very well done.
1: And I thought that your top 10 list, your choices were quite interesting, many of them leaning a lot into the horror genre. Of course.
0: (laughs) Well, that's where I go, so.
1: For example, Parigi's Wonderful Dolls, which we'll talk about, because it was one of the ones that was voted for. That's a horror show, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it
0: it, it later was almost the equivalent of Talking Tina in the Twilight Zone. Right
1: which I've never seen. I've seen pictures of it. Oh, but, well, you
0: need to see that one. Uh, it's an all-time classic. I'm working my way through
1: that series, but <laughs> okay. it's, it's really long. For me, I love science fiction, and there are a lot of radio fans who became radio fans because of Dimension X All throughout the 60s and 70s, people who went back and listened to...
0: After radio, basically. The younger
1: generation. uh,
0: And that would be right, because I've always found that most people that got into listening to vintage radio started with either science fiction or horror, one or the other. Usually horror, but a lot of times science fiction as well.
1: Now, Dimension X and X-1 are pretty much the same series, and it kind of paused in between.
0: Well, I think the reason for the pause was in the early 50s, because Dimension X started in 1950 and went until, I think, 52 or 53, somewhere in there. And then they stop, and then X minus one comes back two years later. I think it has to do with all the space exploration stuff that started in 55. That's when they, I think, if I've got my history right, when they first started building rockets and trying to figure out what they were going to do. Uh, it became more in the public eye, so they brought it back, and instead of calling it Dimension X, they just changed it to X minus 1 and used a lot of the same actors in the same scripts and added a few new things here and there because there were some great writers that were writing for uh, those magazines and different science fiction-type stories, so they had plenty to draw from at that point.
1: And both of those series were top-notch, fantastics. A lot of the stories that they did were just so well-written by some fantastic authors, and the adaptations were incredibly well done.
0: Well, I don't know if you know this, but in 1975 or so, they brought X-1 back again. NBC, what was left of the NBC radio network in 1975 they went back, they grabbed some recordings out of their vaults, and they started running X-1 again in 1975 and promoting it as if it were a new radio series.
1: They probably thought, this stuff is so good, why wouldn't it work for a modern audience then? Yeah, well, then? it
0: should, <laughs> which is why we're doing it.
1: And I think they're great now. Yeah. The stories are so well done, and the acting is really great on this series. And that was really unique for as late in radio as this series was. Right. Because by
0: 1955, most of the major radio shows that had been on previous years were gone. And it was pretty much being reduced to a lot of like disc jockey shows and the occasional comedy show or the occasional detective show. The soap operas were still running. Uh, Suspense was still running. There were a few but there definitely was no push to make new dramatic radio in 1955. That was that was not that was not happening. Television was dominating everything, and they were most of the best actors would move to television, and so it was it was difficult to put together a show of this quality in
1: 1955. Going back to a familiar theme that we talked about in the horror shows. And that's the aspect of imagination that right. science fiction worked so well for the imagination because these are stories that if you tried to do them at TV on T V at the time, it would have been cardboard sets and <laughs> Yeah, it, it would have been either
0: have, a very huge budget or a very corny looking program.
1: And even some of the big budget science fiction movies at the time Still, you can yeah, see the production. Yeah,
0: they're not. They don't have the uh, the technical abilities to to make that work, even in the films. Now they can do it now, but it's all computers and whatever, and it doesn't even tend to look real to me. But that's
1: me. On radio, they could go so far beyond. There were no limitations to what they could do. The only
0: limitation is your brain.
1: My favorite science fiction shows are those shows that take you to a weird kind of place like they're uh, a crew is visiting a strange planet and you, you don't know what they're going to find. And uh, the sense of wonder in the science fiction genre is,
0: well, I'm sure it inspired a lot of young people who were listening to that program and started dreaming about the future. And maybe I can go so far as to say it might've even inspired the invention of the computer, the invention of the internet, the invention of things, because if you grew up in that period and you were listening to those programs, your imagination was running wild all over the place and you would, you could then figure out in your own mind, well, gee, what could I create or what could be created and things that people imagined to be created all of a sudden, some years later, were actually created.
1: You actually n- spotted in that one Episode. It was a Ray Bradbury story where he's I forget which one, but okay. uh, uh, them mentioned the facsimile machine. Yes, yeah, which he is does.
0: A, now I don't think Ray Bradbury had a clue what a facsimile machine was, except whatever he wanted it to be in his imagination. But hey, eventually we had a facsimile machine, also known as a fax machine. Right. Now pretty obsolete, but I still have one.
1: Right, um, it's they're works. they're still out there, but. <laughs> You're right. Uh, email has sort of taken over that, and maybe there was email yeah, mentioned we'll in some see. of these programs. Maybe,
0: maybe in some of these shows they'll mention email. I doubt it, but who knows? I wouldn't have thought they'd mention fax machines.
1: Now, do you know anything about Dimension X or X-1, how the series was preserved, where it came from, anything like that?
0: Well, it was a New York program. Both of them were New York programs. So NBC New York is where they originated. The recordings that exist, and I think almost all of them do. There might be a few missing ones. I'm not that well into the series to know that, but I think most of the series exists, and they would have been saved by NBC as part of the NBC Radio Archives, which is now housed at the Library of Congress. I don't ever recall in all my years of collecting transcriptions on the West Coast, ever seeing a Dimension X transcription or an X-1 transcription or a master tape or anything like that. I never found any. All the ones that I know about all originated
1: with NBC in New York. So I think without further ado, we will start going through the list here of the top five and some of the other ones did get voted for. And if you haven't had a chance, you should definitely go check out this series. You can still go to our website, Good Old Days. They're all there. (laughs) <laughs> Good old days of and the whole thing is there. If you go into episodes, all of our individual lists are there. You can go listen to one after another. Then, after you do that, listen to this discussion and uh, then you can go vote. Go vote and, and skew tell it all us again. What you think is the best science fiction? We want to hear from our listeners that. Gets us really excited. So um, let's start with number five here. This is Dr. Grimshaw's Sanitarium. Okay. I remember that one. This is a mashup of several different genres. On the one hand, you have a feeling of this detective noir because you have this hard-boiled private detective and he discovers this hearse that has a, a coffin in it that is empty. So then he goes to the father to tell him that his son, who was supposed to be in the coffin, isn't, uh, in the isn't coffin. there. So, so the, where is he? <laughs> right. So this guy hires him to go find his missing son. Right. And so begins this story. And then it kind of spirals more and more into the realm of imagination and weird stuff after that.
0: It also throws itself back to World War II and Nazis and experimenting on people.
1: There's a mad scientist in this one. A mad
0: German scientist, yes.
1: I thought it was interesting because the author of this particular story was a World War II, but he wrote about tactics. He was a commentator. Oh, didn't know that. All throughout World War II. And he was himself into war tactics.
0: Oh, well, that um, must have inspired him to bring on the German crazy doctor.
1: Okay. But then here's this uh, crazy, dark, I hate to call it a fun story, because <laughs> horrible <laughs> things happen horrible to some of the characters in the this. Fun, yeah. But it is a fantastic episode and one of the best from Dimension X.
0: And that only got to number five?
1: That was number five. Mm. And um. so, but
0: what was number four?
1: There, it must be better.
0: Uh, well, <laughs> let's see. I may not agree, but let's see.
1: Okay. So, this one is a fun one. And I, I uh, don't have to hesitate in saying that. It's a gun for dinosaur. So, okay. this one.
0: It's not, to me, better than Grimshaw's Sanitarium, but it's different.
1: And but- it's. It's a lot of fun because you have monsters, which is a favorite of mine. Anytime that you add <laughs> monsters into one of these shows, add monsters, it, it automatically ingredient. gets an add an monster. extra, you know, vote for me. So you have big monsters, and you also have some interesting characters. You have the the main character, who's sort of like Alan Quartermain from King Solomon's Mines. You know, this explorer who is this big game hunter, and he takes people. Out to, uh, People have on to the, know
0: what King Solomon's Minds is, though. Well... <laughs> that's a vintage movie. Go it's watch a movie. King Solomon's Minds.
1: And then it's, it's yeah, an even a, older book Deborah after that? that.
0: I forget who's in that, but it's a, it's an interesting movie.
1: And the twist to this story is that instead of hunting big game in Africa, they're going back in time and hunting for dinosaurs. Mm, Jurassic so. Park. <laughs> right. Except they don't
0: go back in time. They bring yeah. the dinosaurs into the modern
1: world. Right. Same uh, hunt
0: the dinosaurs though same thing. Steven Spielberg, were you listening? Maybe he was.
1: I I don't know if you're familiar with a Ray Bradbury story called "A Sound of Thunder." No, that is very similar to this. It is almost the same exact story.
0: (laughs) No, somebody lifted from Ray Bradbury.
1: Well, I don't know which one came first. Came first? Maybe Uh, Ray
0: Bradbury lifted. Ray Bradbury, I know, lifted some ideas from vintage radio because he grew up listening to vintage radio in the 30s and was inspired by all of that and then became a writer himself in the late 40s.
1: Well, I really admire both of these writers, so I'm not going to say one lifted from another. (laughs) It was probably just a tribute.
0: spark of imagination from both of them.
1: Right. It was a... um uh, Where they say uh, sincerest form of flattery,
0: imitation <laughs> is the sincerest form of flattery. Right. Yes.
1: All right. So now we come to one of the big ones, and that is number three on our list, Brave New World.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that that's that's one of my all-time favorite programs for a whole lot of reasons, and I think if you haven't heard it. And I'm not sure how many people listening to this have heard all these, so we'll just assume that some of you have and some of you haven't. If you haven't heard it, please take your an hour or so out of your day and go listen to it because it is just astounding. And a lot of the things that are predicted within that program are actually happening now in today's world.
1: mm mm-hmm. This is more of a social commentary than a science fiction story, although it is a prediction of the future, and some of the stuff is somewhat outlandish.
0: Well, it was written in the 30s, too, Mm, and not presented on radio till 1956.
1: At the time, even in the 1950s, it must have been more clearly science fiction than it is today. We might listen to it today and think not be as astounded as a listener of the contemporary time would have thought. Times are very different now than they were back in the 1950s. Oh, yeah,
0: definitely. But see, that that show actually should have been number one, but too many people will be slightly uncomfortable with all the things that are happening today that are referenced in that program, and they may not want to. Go there. Right.
1: And I'm not sure that a modern audience would consider this program entertaining. It is very interesting, but it's not like popcorn entertainment like most of this yeah, stuff is. it's not
0: like a, <laughs> dinosaurs and Martians and whatever. It's <laughs> what happens when the, the world really goes awry.
1: If you don't want to be spoiled on anything, then you should turn this off now and go listen to that one. But Test Tube Babies. Right. The Feelies. Instead, instead of just going and watching a movie, now you're like plugged in, so that you yeah. What do they feel call the that sens- now? They're
0: actually doing that. They, you put on the little headset. And well, that's, you, that's I what it's Virtual called. reality. Virtual so reality. There you go.
1: This one apparently you could feel everything going on in the movie. Well, they'll
0: get there. They're <laughs> not too far away from that well, now.
1: Uh, at one point, they were developing the. I think it was called Smellovision in the 1960s. Yes. <laughs> and And that didn't go very far
0: smell what's on the screen yeah okay doesn't sound appealing to me but
1: well you know and i don't think that it it's like kind of like 3d movies it it didn't quite work out as it sounds like a great idea but um there are uh things which at the time were more fringe concepts like free love for example yeah Um,
0: that's definitely in there Marriage is considered an abomination. You want to just go out and be with whoever you want to be with and don't worry about marriage, that's a bad thing.
1: More than anything else, that stands out as being one of the things that has happened and has become part of society today.
0: Well, the big one for me from that is that and the use of Soma tablets or drugs because everybody takes their Soma just like a whole lot of people take their marijuana
1: these days it wasn't that far from 19 was it 1956 that this yeah was from yeah the hippie generation started and that's when all of these things started happening the yes the free love and the drugs and the the disintegration of the family. Which is where we're at now. We, we could obviously talk about this show a lot because there's a lot packed in here. Uh, but I just want to mention that one of the most interesting aspects of this show predicting the future for me is a society worshipping pleasure and entertainment. Correct. The concept of unplugging from that being the most horrifying thing That could happen to someone
0: hey doesn't that sound familiar all these people out there with the they're plugged into their their phones and their whatever all this stuff it's like whoa unplug please
1: right sometimes anyway here we are in uh 2022 where people are trying to escape reality and we're Um, helping
0: them with this show
1: well (laughs) no we're actually taking them back to a time when america was a very different place
0: yeah we're um, helping them go backwards and
1: time. It can be very entertaining. but um, We're
0: entertaining you at the same time. We're, we're, we're
1: you educating rest. you and entertaining you. That's um, the idea.
0: Making uh, you think about what's going on today versus what happened years ago and how it all kind of works together for not so good sometimes.
1: Are you at all familiar with the new metaverse that is being developed by Mark Zuckerberg?
0: I'm not really familiar with it. I went to a conference in Portland, Oregon a few years ago uh, for a group. It's called um, ARSC, Association of Recorded Sound Collectors or something like that anyway. And they have record collectors within this group, but the majority of the group are people who work in archives and government institutions and places like that where all this stuff is allegedly being preserved and documented. I say allegedly because, sorry, most of them don't do a very good job at it. But the reoccurring word and theme at this conference, which drove me up the wall, was the word meta. And they spent lots of time talking about metadata, metadata, Whatever in the world that is, and I still don't know, even though several people have explained it to me, it all sounds like nonsense. But the, the, the government types and the institutional higher education types, they, somehow they've come up with this word meta, and I guess Zuckerberg is uh, changing Facebook into the metaverse, and that's going to drive me even crazier because I don't mind the name Facebook, but I've ha- if I have to look at something that says meta every day, I'm probably going to tune out.
1: You don't see yourself going and putting on the virtual glasses and floating no. through this fantasy <laughs> world of your own creation?
0: No. If that's what he's saying, no. Uh, well, that's, but that's that'll, that'll the metaverse. Be, that's, that'll be good to that, that. even dumb down the public even more than they are now. Okay. All right. Sorry. I I, I won't get too political here, but uh, <laughs> all right. I think well, all that stuff is just a bunch of nonsense and people need to wake up and get their... Uh, uh, get their act together and become real men and women again.
1: All right. Well, I'll leave it at <laughs> yeah, that. You can shut and, me off uh, there. Okay. We'll move on to number two here, and that number is two. Parigi's Wonderful Dolls. Okay, and well, I'm...
0: that's that's good. I like Brave New World better, but it's a different thing. So, again, I see how this is going. The public is picking different things that are the, sort of like the best in each of those categories. Subgenres of science fiction, so I'll go with it.
1: So this was written by a man named George Lefferts. I don't know if you know he anything wrote about him. A lot
0: of X minus one programs, but no, I don't know anything about him.
1: Yeah. And he uh, did a great job at adapting stories that were in these magazines, Astounding Science Fiction. Do those magazines still exist?
0: When did they stop publishing new stories like that? Because I remember them being on the newsstand in the 70s, but I don't know what... I'm dating myself as usual. But...
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe they exist okay. anymore. But I'm not an expert on the subject. Okay, by neither anyone, am so I.
0: But it'd be interesting
1: if they were. Somebody's going to jump on our case about this. Yeah, and and say,
0: <laughs> hey, wait, you can still buy astounding science fiction. What do you at, guys at B you should Dalton's, Dalton's be, bookstore?
1: <laughs> shut off the microphones. These guys don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> well, we know some things anyway. We know the old stuff.
0: We don't know too much of what goes on in the in the modern world, and we especially don't want to be in the metaverse or whatever it's called.
1: As one of our listeners pointed out, this is very close to a Twilight Zone episode, which you had mentioned previously. And um, when I went and did some research on this, apparently there were many callbacks to this radio show by Rod Serling or whoever wrote the episode.
0: Oh, um, okay. Well, that makes sense. To
1: tribute this story by George Lefferts, which I thought was kind of a neat thing.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sure Rod Serling, is it pronounced Serling or Sterling?
1: Serling. Serling, yeah. yeah. No T in there.
0: Yeah, that's right, no T. Rod Serling, I am sure, and somebody who's an expert on him can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he spent a lot of time in his younger days listening to a lot of vintage radio twilight zone started in the early 60s i believe or possibly the late 50s but uh, it's somewhere in there and it's right on the right on the cusp of all this what we're talking about so i'm sure that they uh they paid uh, tribute and homage to the things that they liked when they were listening to that
1: um it's a scary show you should go listen to it if you like kind of Creepy. Um, <laughs> go listen to that little... and then go
0: watch Talking Tina on Twilight Zone and see the, the, the similarities.
1: All right. We'll move on to number one number here.
0: Number one. Okay. What is so, uh,
1: what do you what would be your guess? What do you think is number one? Mars is heaven. Got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mars all is right. heaven. It made it.
0: When I was growing up and listening to all this stuff decades ago and collecting it, well, that was one of the first episodes of that type that I heard. And I thought, boy, if they're all like this, I'm going to want every one of these. And they weren't, but the, that, that was always, I always come back to that one as like, oh, that's that's extraordinarily well-written. And uh, Mr. Bradbury hit a home run there.
1: Yeah. And that has elements, again, of the horror part of it uh, with the sense of nostalgia and science fiction mixed in. All
0: rolled up in one.
1: (laughs) Ray Bradbury was very different from all the other science fiction writers because he did not write hard science fiction, what we call hard science fiction, which is with as much detailed hardcore science in it as possible. These were more fantasy with they're going to Mars or something, but you have, he kind of played loose with the rules. If his guys were going to space or if they were going to Mars, they could always get off the ship and breathe the air and stuff like that. And that wasn't always the case. You know, there's this misconception that all science fiction of the time thought. You could just get off the ship on a strange planet like Mars and breathe like we did. Not the case. We (laughs) weren't exactly
0: consulting scientists at the time. Uh,
1: But Ray Bradbury was much more interested in the human element of his story.
0: Almost family style in a way.
1: I would call that nostalgia because when he gets into that mode of suddenly they're like in the Midwest... You know, right, the and iron
0: deer is on the lawn. It's and,
1: all things from their memory. Right. In so many of his other stories, he gets into the human mind and memories and things uh, in a very visceral way that you remember as a child. Well,
0: Ray Bradbury himself, because I did meet him and have a few conversations with him, was very much nostalgia oriented. He grew up in the 1930s. He watched the universal horror films on the big screens of the 30s. He listened to Buck Rogers uh, and Flash Gordon. He watched those serials in the movies. And as he grew older, he became very fond of that going back and referencing that material. And in the 70s, He was part of a group that was dedicated to the preservation and enjoyment of the Vic and Sade comedy show. He would attend a lot of the nostalgia-type events in Southern California, and all the while he was doing that, he was still writing his books. Something Wicked This Way Come was written during that time period, and still selling lots of books, and still spending a great deal of his life reflecting on his previous decades and the things that were important to him back then.
1: Hmm. Um, and I think out of this list, Ray Bradbury, what was I going to say?
0: Well, he <laughs> his, out of the top 10, he, I think, is the author of four or five of yeah,
1: them. Yeah, that's, that's it. He was perhaps the most adapted of all of the different science fiction. There were many popular science fiction writers of the time, but his stuff worked particularly well for radio for some reason. Okay, well that does it. There's that does your... it. We got to the top
0: five, and I guess I can, in a way, agree that that would be the top five. We might want to for those who didn't go look at the list. What are the other five from <laughs> the, the top six, seven, eight, nine, and ten? See if I think something somebody made a mistake and they should move one up a little bit here.
1: The one that comes to mind that you mentioned that you would be voting for, but I don't think you ended up doing, was Time and Time Again.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. How did did that not
1: make it in there? Well, I'm surprised that didn't make it either. (laughs) I thought that would be up there, and to me that's superior.
0: And maybe even I forget to vote. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I rarely do that, but okay.
1: I think you did. Uh I think it was Mars is Heaven or Brave New World or one of
0: those. Oh, I probably picked Brave New World. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, But Time and Time Again is an essential program.
1: All right. Okay. So that'll do it. So uh, for me,
0: we we have covered the top ten, all of it actually now, and uh, given our little commentaries. So hopefully, you found this entertaining, and we will start a new series of top tens, and it's going to be similar to what we did with top ten uh, horror shows. This one will be top 10 monsters. So we're gonna, there were some monsters in the horror shows, but these are going to be outright monsters. So we have Daniel's favorite thing add a monster. So that's, <laughs> yeah, add a monster and everything and gets better.
1: We sort of collaborated on this list a little bit. Yes. Um, Monsters are one of my favorite things.
0: Okay, so monsters next Thursday. Stay tuned. Or, no, stay tuned. and Tune in again.
1: I have to, just one extra thing, because I know I'm not going to be able to say anything Uh uh, for another 10 weeks or so. Well,
0: you could, but okay.
1: Yeah, no, I don't want to. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Radio had some of the most interesting and imaginative and fantastic monsters ever conceived. Okay. That far exceed anything done in the movies and on television. So I
0: would, I would agree with that. Now, getting people who are young, who like to go watch slasher films and things like that, getting them to sit down and pay attention to a 30-minute radio program is not always the easiest task. But when you bring in the monsters that's your best shot. So, when you're telling your friends about this program and talking to people about it and they have a kind of a mediocre if not a weak reaction to it, start talking about monsters. Start talking about weird monsters that appear in these shows and their interest level will perk up and you might get them to tune in.
1: Except my wife. Oh, well, you'll well, drive your wife too. away. Yeah.
0: Some wives are or <laughs> Some women will not want to tune in because they're a little bit too weird and crazy. But if you like the weird and the crazy and the monsters, then this show is for you. Ten weeks of it starting next week. And until then, this is John Tefteller saying goodbye. (laughs)